Good morning, and welcome to Palm Sunday at Village Bible Church. This is also Communion Sunday, so get your elements ready. We've handed those out to you in advance, but if you don't have the ones that we've provided, then use your own bread and your own juice. And no, it does not have to be grape. Just be prepared. Get those elements ready. You may want to pause the video at this point to go get those so that when the time comes, you'll have your elements there that we can enjoy together. You know, Ephesians 5.16 reminds us to redeem the time. During this time of sequestering, we have great opportunities for spring cleaning, exercising, making those phone calls to family and friends. But this is also a time to practice some spiritual disciplines. One of those that's really important is a daily devotional time with God. To help you with that, we've acquired about 150 copies of a book titled Quiet Time. Beginning tomorrow morning, they will be on a table just outside the main entrance to the church. Feel free to drop by and pick one up at your leisure. I want you to pay particular attention this morning when Pastor Jason speaks. I know you will because you always do, but he's going to have for you a special announcement regarding how we're going to celebrate Easter this year. Let's pray as we begin our service today. Father, Thank you for being present with us. Wherever we are, you are there. We pray that you will help us to listen today and apply your word to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna sing a song of encouragement now. As we worship the one true God together, we want to remind you that your prayers and your praise are very powerful. I raise a hallelujah In the presence of my enemy I raise a hallelujah Louder than the unbelief I raise a hallelujah is a melody I raise a hallelujah Heaven comes to fight for me I'm gonna sing in the middle of a storm louder and louder gonna hear my praises roll up from the ashes hope will arise death is defeated the king is alive Everything inside of me
should all fall in the space between what remains of me and this reckoning. Either way, I'm bowed to the things of this world. And I know I will never be alone. There is another in the fire standing next to me. There is another in the scripture reading this morning, I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible, as we usually do, and it's from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. Listen as I read this morning. 
For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have had consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, to do your will, O God. After saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law, then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins of all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws upon their heart and on their mind, I will write them. He then says, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Next week is Easter, and it's a bummer that we can't meet at the Woodlands for the first time in 27 years. It's been really challenging, and we all miss worshiping together but we're going to try to do something creative next Sunday on Easter. We are going to open up our parking lot and have drive-in church where you can be ushered in and you'll face the building in your car. Don't get out of your car. Stay in your car. And if you want, we will all listen to the radio together uh, next week. Now get this, 9 o'clock, not 9.15. So show up at 9 o'clock in our parking lot. Don't get out of your car, and you can see other people, or at least see their cars, and we can be worshiping together at 9 o'clock. But if you don't want to get out, that's okay. We are still going to have our service on Facebook Live, and also have our service uh, available on our website. Uh, next week, once again, Easter service at 9 o'clock. Now, this is a very unsettling and, and crazy time for us uh, as a church. So, so let me try to give you uh, something a little bit positive. 
This experience for us as a church can actually jolt us out of any complacency we may have been feeling. Just in case we were in a corporate rut, something like this can wake us up. Because we cannot come to the same building and sit in the same Sunday school class and come and worship in the same sanctuary, sitting in our same seats with all the sameness because it's been disrupted. We've been upended and everything is different. There are a lot of unknowns in the future. And this can make us ask some simple questions like this. What are we doing? Is Christ worth so much that we are willing to follow him no matter what happens? Is Christ worth so much that we are willing to give him complete allegiance no matter the outcomes? You see, sometimes it takes events like this to wake us up and to shake us out of a corporate complacency so that we can follow Christ no matter what. And what can happen for us corporately can also be a benefit individually because there are times we get into individual ruts we become complacent we can just go through the motions of following christ we can become kind of numb and there are things that come along like this that's happening in our world happening in our lives that can wake us up personally to the spiritual realities of walking with christ and when things come along we can ask the questions like this what am i doing <laughs> Is Christ worth so much that I'm willing to follow him no matter what happens? Is Christ worth so much that I'm willing to give him complete allegiance no matter the outcomes? So for us corporately and individually, may this be a wake-up call to shake us out of a rut we may have been in. And that's what we're going to see this morning in the book of Hebrews. The author is trying to wake this church up. The Hebrews were not paying careful attention to the gospel, and they were in danger of ignoring such a great salvation. They were immature in the things of the Lord, and they were needing to grow. You see, they were facing persecution for their faith, in a sense, it, it paralyzed them into complacency and laziness and, and apathy. And this letter needed to be written to shake them out of their rut so they would not drift away. And, I, and I'm praying that this portion of Hebrews this morning will do the same for us. Hebrews seems to lay out three ways. I'm only going to cover one, but it seems to lay out three ways to wake us up from complacency or to shake us out of a spiritual rut. One of the ways is the discipline of God, as talked about in Hebrews. Another way is the, the warnings of God, which definitely is in the book of Hebrews. But the third way to wake us up and motivate us to, to come out of our complacency is by looking at the superior worth of Jesus. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at the superior worth of Jesus and his work. And this is a great way for us to head toward Good Friday and then head toward Easter by looking at the superior worth of Jesus and his work to shake us out of any rut of complacency we may be in. Now we're going to cover Hebrews chapter 10, 
verses 1 through 18. There's a lot in here. You can spend all week studying this, but we're going to be brief, so let's dive in. Hebrews chapter 10, start with verse 1. For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The author is arguing like this because the Hebrews may have been tempted to return to Judaism. So he continues to demonstrate how that system was provisional and ineffective. The law and all that it was associated with it, like the tabernacle, the priesthood, all the sacrifices, all of that were shadows pointing to a greater reality found in Jesus Christ. The law was temporary and inadequate shadow that couldn't take care of the sin problem by its repeated sacrifices year after year. It couldn't purge the guilty conscience of the worshiper and offer a definitive forgiveness of sins. So the worshiper was left at a distance, unable to draw near to the presence of God. The repeated sacrifices did not permanently remove sin and guilt, but was an annual reminder that the sin still remained because the blood of bulls and goats was not sufficient to take away sins. That is the inefficient system and the ineffective system that the Hebrews were thinking about returning to. And so we needed this jolt where the author says, don't go backwards. Press forward in Jesus. But the Hebrews were tempted to go backwards and not press forward. You ever get like that? You feel like your walk with the Lord is not working. You feel like that whatever you've been doing and walking with the Lord is not propelling you in any way forward. And you think, you know what? I need to go back to some of my old ways, some of my old sinful ways that seem to fulfill me. And maybe you're tempted. Maybe you're tempted when you, when you get squeezed to go back to your old patterns of sin, to go back to your old ways of doing things apart from the Lord. And, it, and it's often a gradual move. It starts with some stagnation and then moves into full-blown participation in the things of the Lord. And that's why we need this wake-up call to pay attention to our lives, to pay attention to the lives of our brothers and sisters. Because if we don't pay attention, we can turn from the great work and worth of Jesus Christ to the pleasures of sin. Look at verse 5. Therefore... When he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. And this is a quote. It's a quote from Psalm chapter 40, verse 6 through 8. 
And here we have the Son addressing the Father. In this address, we see that when Jesus came into the world, he was the obedient Son who did the Father's will completely through the sacrifice of his body on the cross. And his superior sacrifice is in contrast to the sacrifices of the Old Covenant, which could not please the Lord. But the sacrificial death of the Son not only accomplished the will of God, but it pleased the Lord. Now the author interprets the citation, verses 8 through 10. After saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The Old Testament sacrifice is pointing ahead to Jesus and pointing ahead to his superior sacrifice. So the shadow is no longer necessary now that the reality is here. So don't go back to the shadow of the old sacrifices when you have the real thing in Jesus. Because Jesus' sacrifice is superior. Let's look again at verse 10. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. By Jesus' once for all sacrifice, He has made us holy, sanctified us, set us apart from sin, and has presented us perfect to God. He has forgiven all our sins and declared us righteous in His sight through His sacrificial death that satisfied the justice of God. And so we press on. We press on by faith. We have a message that we can tell the world that through faith in Jesus Christ, you can be forgiven. You can turn from your sin, put your faith in the perfect life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, and be forgiven and reconciled to the Father. Don't go back to any other message. Stick with the gospel. That's why we give complete allegiance to Jesus. Because get this, get this. There is no other way for a person to be reconciled to God except through Jesus Christ. There is no other way to be made holy and perfect except through the righteousness of Christ to us seen in the Father's sight. Well, why do we keep hammering this and hammering this and hammering this? It's because there's no other way for a person to go to heaven except through Jesus Christ. There's absolutely no other way. And we have to stick to the gospel message. We don't need to get distracted and, and get focused on things like entertainment or a consumer mentality in church or a me-first attitude in church or anything else that is contrary to the gospel. We must stick with the gospel. We must not water it down. We must not turn to the ways of the world or our old ways of living because Christ and his superior sacrifice is all that matters. Verse 11. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected all time those who are sanctified. 
It's like the author is shouting, don't go back to your old ways. Those old sacrifices can't take away sins. They're just repeated over and over and over again. But by Jesus, one sacrifice, which we celebrate on Good Friday, one sacrifice, he has made believers perfect forever. If you have repented of your sin and put your faith in Jesus, there is no condemnation now and forever. His death occurred once to cleanse us. No accusation, no condemnation, now and forever. Don't go backwards, but press forward in Jesus. I've been on a tour of sorts to your homes, going door to door, checking on you, just to say hi, to bless you, and to ask you if you need anything. And most of you, you don't need anything. You have neighbors that care for you. You're out and about. You're very sufficient unto yourself. But during this time, I've noticed that we, we all need something. We need this face-to-face interaction. We need this face-to-face fellowship. We need this time where we can gather and, and worship. But right now, we don't get that. And we're isolated. And sometimes we're just holed up into our homes and often by ourselves. And it's during this time of isolation where it can be dangerous. It can be dangerous to go, to go backwards to some of our old patterns, to mo- some of our old rituals of sin. And the message here is don't go back. Keep moving forward, Jesus. Well, let's finish up here. Verses 15 through 18. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us, for after saying... This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws upon their heart and on their mind I will write them. He then says, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. This is really good. This is a a new covenant quotation from from Jeremiah 31, where it is revealed, this is good, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that the new covenant gives believers a decisive forgiveness of sins. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, believers have their sins and lawless acts forgotten by the Lord. That is to say that God does not count our sins against us and keep us out of his presence that through the sacrifice of Jesus, our sins are removed and we are made holy as we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Now, this is what's really cool. Not only are we made holy, get this, but we are also being made holy. That, That means that we are enabled to follow the Lord by this laws in our heart written on our mind. This means that in the New Covenant, we have a fundamental overhaul where we are transformed into incurable God-lovers. Incurable God-lovers. So not only are we made holy in His sight through the righteousness of Christ, but we are enabled now to walk in holiness, not perfection, but walk in holiness because the Holy Spirit is transforming our minds and our hearts through His Word, and He's turning us into incurable God-lovers. 
And this is all inaugurated through the once for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You see it now? The worth of Jesus is superior to all. And we must be willing to give our entire lives to Christ. That no matter what happens, we will follow Christ. And so I ask you, is there anything right now that is tempting you to go backwards? One of the ways we may phrase this is, um, I didn't sign up for this. You ever said that before? I didn't sign up for this. Maybe you're in a marriage that's difficult right now, and you're like, man, I did not plan this. This was not part of my expectations. I didn't sign up for this. Or maybe you're a believer, a new believer, and you're having some difficulties, and you thought the Christian life was going to be easy, and you're like, man, I didn't sign up for this. Or maybe you just moved to the village, and you're stuck in your home. You're like, this was not part of the plan. There could be a lot of things where our expectations can be dashed. And sometimes even with God, you're like, God, I just thought, you know, you were going to come through for me. You were going to show up for me. This is not part of the deal. I didn't sign up for this. And your expectations get dashed. So when life goes against our expectations, especially expectations we may have had of God, you can become stuck and complacent, and in a rut. But get this. I think in order for you, in order for me to move forward, we must lay down our expectations. We just lay down our expectations. God, I totally lay down my expectation of the way life must go, especially during this crisis. We don't know what's going to happen from day to day. Lord, I lay down my expectations. I lay down my expectations of comfort. I lay down my expectations of convenience. I lay down my expectations of security. I just lay everything down and I cast my life upon you, Jesus. And I say, Jesus, you're my all in all. Jesus, you have superior worth. I give everything I have to you. Lord Jesus, you can have everything. Your worth is greater than all. I give you complete and utter allegiance to the day I die. And when we start to lay down our expectations and we start to focus more and more on Christ, his life, his sacrifice, burial, and resurrection, then we find ourselves starting to be transformed as we look at the superior worth of Jesus and we start to move forward, forward, and we don't go backwards. And one of the ways that we're going to go forward this morning is we're going to look at the superior worth of Jesus in his sacrifice in the Lord's Supper. We're about to take the Lord's Supper together, and this can just help us to hone in and zero in on the sacrifice of Christ. And as we come to this time together, let's remember that Jesus Christ died on the cross, and he rose again, proof that he has conquered Satan, sin, and death, and that his sacrifice is superior, and that Jesus is worth more than anything. And may we continue to go forward in Christ. You know, God has kept communion simple for us. He communicated much more specifically about the why than about the how, where, or when. Why? 
so that we do not forget him. That's why he said, do this in remembrance of me. That is why we felt and believed that it was important to celebrate communion, even though we were physically separated right now. He did lay out one important communion command. It is found in 1 Corinthians 11.28. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. So let's take a moment right now to confess in the quietness of our hearts. Thank you for that honest and genuine confession and the acceptance of his forgiveness, which prepares us now to approach the bread and the cup. About those, he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's partake together now. First Corinthians eleven twenty six. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. today 
One of the spiritual disciplines God has called us to is giving. You have remained so faithful, and we want you to know that your pastors and your elders appreciate your generous giving, and I know the Lord does too. In a moment, you will see the website address on the screen where you can give electronically. We will also list the church address in case you'd prefer to mail in your gift. Of course, you can always bring your gift to the church. Please call first so one of our staff members can greet you at the door and receive your offering. Let's pray, and in a few moments, Pastor Jason will bring our benediction. Father, thank you for the generosity of those at Village Bible Church who care about reaching a lost world and give to make that happen. Thank you for blessing the gifts that are given today. In Jesus' name, amen. Look forward to perhaps seeing you next Sunday on Easter if you want to come to the drive-in church in our parking lot or you can watch at home on Facebook Live or on our website. Now, receive the benediction. My brothers and sisters, we know that Sunday is coming in the resurrection, but let's linger a bit this week at the cross and remember the superior sacrifice of Christ. And remember that he is our all in all, and may we continue to move forward. Amen.